A couple years ago, I received a call from Emily, my wife, and she sounded pretty urgent. And I was trying to find out what was going on, and she told me that we needed to cancel our plans for the following evening. And I started thinking, what could be the reason? What could be the reason we need to cancel our plans? What's going on? Well, she informed me that we had won uh, $10 tickets to a Broadway show that's otherwise uh, pretty expensive to go to the following night. We were pretty excited. It was a great experience. We were able to go downtown and enjoy the Broadway show. And uh, we had talked with some of our friends who had been entering this same drawing every day. And we were really surprised to hear that they had been entering for over a year and we had won the tickets in less than two weeks. It was pretty unbelievable. Well, we enjoyed the show and we went home and we enjoyed it enough that we said, you know what, we're going to continue entering uh, this same drawing. And so we did and uh, we were really surprised when a couple months later we won the tickets again. So we kind of felt bad a little bit, but we went anyway, had a great time and came home and uh, it wasn't a few months later that we won a third time. And at this point, we actually did kind of feel bad. So we gave the tickets away to one of our family members. But I don't, I'm not really sure which one it was. The first, second, or third time that we won those tickets that felt the most unbelievable. To be honest with you, it was actually all the way until the very end when I was sitting down into the seats that I had part of me that said, I'm not sure I quite believe this is real. Well, we're, that's not exactly a life-changing type of unbelievable. But today, we are going to come across a story, the story of Thomas and the life-changing encounter that he had with Jesus Christ. Jesus' disciple Thomas had seen Jesus' miracles. He had walked with Jesus day in and day out. He was as shocked as any of the other disciples when Jesus was crucified and died, and buried. When it came time, a few days later, for Thomas to hear that Jesus had come back to life, he wasn't quite ready to believe it. To him, it was unbelievable. But to be fair to Thomas, if I was to put myself in his shoes, would I believe that someone had come back to life? I want to take a look at that in our own life. When the Apostle John writes what Thomas went through, he's writing it so that you and so that I can evaluate our own reaction to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Before we take a look at Thomas's life, his story, I want you to think about God's work in your life, some of the doubts that you have faced as an individual. Maybe you've doubted God's justice as you've experienced things that are not fair in your own life and circumstances. Maybe you've had a, a season of doubt about if Jesus really is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only true way. Well, maybe you have trusted Christ already, but maybe you doubt, does Jesus really care about me in a personal and close way? Have you experienced doubt about the existence of God himself? Maybe you've been a Christian for decades. Maybe God has brought you in and out of 
some of those seasons of doubt and brought you closer to him with stronger faith as a result of coming to grips with why you believe what you believe. And if that's the case for you, I want today to be an encouraging day for you to look back and see what it was like, to remember what it was like for you to believe for the very first time. But if you have doubts today, you're not alone. I invite you to hear today how Thomas dealt with those doubts, how he journeyed from disbelief to belief. Today, we're going to see why Thomas stopped doubting. Today, we need to know why it was that Thomas stopped doubting. Let us pray together. Father, I thank you so much that you have revealed yourself through your word. Lord, I thank you that we can look and see the story of Thomas and what it was in his life that brought him from doubt to faith. Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word. Lord, that you would speak through me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to hear from you today. We want to believe even stronger than we do right now. We love you, Lord. We pray all these things in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today we're going to see three checkpoints. We're going to see three checkpoints in Thomas's journey from unbelief to belief. And the first checkpoint is that Thomas wanted proof that he should believe. Thomas wanted proof that he should believe. You know, having proof in our life is so, so important in many different areas. Uh, for example, uh, having the title to whatever vehicle it is that you drive around is a really important proof to the fact that you own that car or whatever vehicle it is. There's another way that proof is important for us. On our wedding days, when we get married to our spouse, we write down our commitments on a wedding certificate, a marriage certificate. And I know our, our commitments are before the Lord, and, but that piece of paper acts as some form of proof that our marriage is legitimate. And just about every time that we walk out of a store, we walk out with a small little piece of paper that maybe you crumple up, stick in your pocket, maybe you keep it, maybe you throw it away. But that receipt is proof that the transaction you just had with the store proves that your merchandise really is yours. And actually, those receipts are pretty important. For, for example, this last week, uh, I brought a shirt back to a store, and I said, I'd like to return this. And I show them the proof that I had bought that shirt from that store. And they asked, is there anything wrong with it? And I said, well, there's not really anything wrong with this shirt except for the fact that my wife wasn't exactly fond of the Hawaiian pattern print. Proof is important in every area of our lives. Well, we need to know why it was that Thomas stopped doubting. So let's take a look at the proof Thomas was looking for. In John chapter 20, starting in verse 24, we're going to see the proof that Thomas wanted regarding the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 24, follow along, says this. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless... I see in his hands the mark of the nails 
and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas heard the disciples' testimony. Thomas hadn't been around when Jesus revealed himself the first time. Last time, the doors were locked because the disciples were so afraid. Now, what were the disciples afraid of? This is later on in the day, Sunday evening, and the Jewish leaders had captured and killed Jesus that Friday, and they thought they might be next. Now, honestly, I have never really experienced a time where I have felt afraid for my life. But I've talked with others at the Aurora campus and in other places who have experienced what it's like to fear for their life, to be running away from war and violence and those who are seeking to kill. Whatever that case was, the disciples were afraid. What a horrifying time this was for them. And Jesus arrived, and he entered into this locked room ready to impart the peace and the proof that the disciples needed that first Easter Sunday. So Jesus came in and he imparts to them the peace that they needed in verse 19, in verse 21, and in verse 26. Three times Jesus says, peace be with you. Here the triumphant prince of peace has risen again and he has come to impart the peace that these fearful disciples needed. But he didn't just give them peace. Jesus gave them proof. Jesus gave the disciples the proof that they needed of his resurrection. Jesus shows the disciples his hands. He shows his side. His hands bore the proof that he had been crucified. The Roman soldiers had nailed Jesus to the cross by his hands. He showed them the proof that he had been pierced in the side. After being whipped brutally 39 times, Jesus had sustained a substantial amount of blood loss, a condition called hypovolemic shock. We believe that Jesus had entered hypovolemic shock based on his blood loss, his collapse while he was carrying his cross to Golgotha, and his extreme thirst when he was there on the cross. Well, prior to Jesus' death, the sustained rapid heartbeat caused by that hypovolemic shock also caused fluid to gather in the sack around his heart and around the lungs. And after Jesus died, the Roman soldiers, who were experts at making sure people were dead, came with a spear to thrust a spear through his side, piercing both the lungs and the heart. And blood and water poured out of that wound, just as John recorded in his gospel. When Jesus showed him this evidence, the disciples were glad and they believed. But Thomas, Thomas hadn't seen Jesus yet. But we need to know. We need to know what it was that changed Thomas from a doubter to a believer. We've seen that Thomas heard the disciples' testimony. But second, we're going to see Thomas refused to believe without evidence. Thomas refused to believe without the evidence. The disciples told Thomas that they had been convinced that Jesus was alive, but that wasn't enough for Thomas. He wanted more evidence, 
Not only did he not believe, but he said he would never believe unless he was able to see the wounds and touch the wounds. Interestingly, the disciples thought at a previous passage, the disciples thought that when they saw Jesus walking on the water that maybe he was a ghost. So that could be what Thomas is thinking here. Maybe you saw a ghost. So for about a week after that, Thomas walked around with the truth, the greatest news of his entire life. He had that news, but he didn't have the faith to believe it. We need to know why it was that Thomas stopped doubting. So what about you? What about me? If we're Christians, think about, was there a particular proof around the time that you came to know the Lord for the very first time? Was there a particular proof that God used to show you the truth of who Jesus is? Maybe it was a true story that God used of a fellow believer that had come to know the Lord and their life had been transformed. That could have been a proof. Maybe it was a historical proof that God used through his word to help you believe. Or maybe it was your own time reading through God's word, through scripture, to come to recognize the truth that Jesus is the Son of God and that he came back to life to show his power over sin and over death. Whatever it was, God was the one to give you that faith. God was the one to grant that gift of belief. But Thomas, Thomas wanted proof that he should believe. To be honest with you, we should too. We should want proof, real reasons to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. So let's seek out that truth. Let's look and find what it is that God wants us to know and to believe what it is that God reveals to us. But if you're not yet sure, if you're not quite ready to believe Jesus' claim to be the resurrected Son of God, let's continue to journey with Thomas and see what Jesus does about that unbelief. We need to know why Thomas stopped doubting. So first we saw the first checkpoint. Thomas wanted proof that he should believe. Second, the second checkpoint of Thomas's journey from disbelief to belief is that Jesus is the proof that each believer needs. Jesus is the proof that each believer needs. Around my house, uh, I've got some different security cameras. For example, I've got one in my backyard showing uh, my kiddos playing. I can keep an eye on them as they're uh, swinging or going down the slide or playing with some friends. It's really helpful. I've also got one uh, in my kitchen, which is really helpful for finding out who it was that left those dirty dishes in the sink. Okay, I must confess, it was me. It was me. We've also got one in my living room, and I've actually used that one a few times to settle some disputes within the Wood household. You see, if you grew up with uh, brothers or sisters, you know, you're no stranger to the fact that brothers and sisters sometimes get into disagreements. Sometimes things get a little heated and maybe even a little physical. So when one of my kids comes and says, they pushed me, or something like that, I can go back and I can see the proof what really happened and seek to resolve it. 
Thankfully, that's not really the case a whole lot anymore. My kids are continuing to mature and seek to be more loving. But having the right proof is really, really helpful. And it's the same case in our passage today. In our passage today, we find the proof that we need. And the proof isn't a security camera, footage of a sibling spat or of a crime scene, something like that. The proof is Jesus himself. Jesus is the proof that each believer needs. Let's take a look at our passage again. Let's start up again in verse 26. I'll read that for us. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus shows Thomas the evidence. Jesus shows Thomas the evidence. So the disciples, they're back together. They're back in a room and the doors are locked. They're still experiencing that fear, the uncertainty, what is going to happen in that following Sunday. Now our text says eight days. They would have counted the current day within their math on that. Just like when Jesus died on Friday, he was dead on Saturday, and came back to life on Sunday, they call that three days. But they come together, and Jesus chooses this time to reveal himself to Thomas. The doors were locked. And uh, it seems that Jesus must have either walked through the walls or somehow unlocked the doors. A little bit later on in Scripture, we see in Acts chapter 12, doors became unlocked for Peter so he could go through there. But again, Jesus comes to his disciples and he says, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And he turns to Thomas and invites him. Here I am. Examine the evidence. So Thomas, Jesus shows Thomas the evidence, and now Jesus commands Thomas to believe. Jesus doesn't just tell him to examine the evidence. Jesus tells Thomas, stop doubting and start believing. Believe. Believe. This really is the main theme of the entire Gospel of John. Believe. Believe this is the same commandment that we see throughout Scripture. For example, in John chapter 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus, whoever believes in him, the Son of God, should not perish but have eternal life. In Acts chapter 10, Peter tells the crowd, everyone who believes in him, Jesus, receives forgiveness of sin through his name. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas tell the jailer, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says that God gives salvation to everyone who believes. Jesus shows Thomas the evidence. Then Jesus commands Thomas to believe. And now, what is Thomas's response? His response is to believe. He obeyed the Lord's command. Thomas believes and worships Jesus. 
Thomas believes and worships Jesus. This is one of the clearest proclamations of Jesus and his deity, the fact that Jesus is God in the Bible. In the New Testament, here it is. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Thomas is convinced that Jesus is alive. Thomas is convinced that Jesus is God. It's really interesting. Thomas's self-imposed criteria, he said, unless I see and unless I touch the evidence, but here when Jesus commands him to believe, John doesn't say Thomas touched and that was really what put him over the edge. Sometimes we put our own stipulations on things. I will only believe if, but Jesus comes to turn that on its head and give us the faith that we actually need, the evidence that we actually need. So Jesus shows Thomas the evidence. Jesus commands Thomas to believe. Thomas believes and worships Jesus, and now Jesus affirms those who believe without seeing him. Jesus affirms those who believe even without the benefit of seeing him. Jesus sees that Thomas has been regenerated. He's been born again. He's placed his faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. What a great day for Thomas. Any day that a person comes to saving faith is a great day, but Jesus wants to make it clear that the others who would come after, even those born 2,000 years after Jesus was born, would be at no disadvantage to these first disciples. We have just as much of an ability to have faith in Jesus Christ as those first disciples who saw and touched the risen Savior. So why was it that Thomas stopped doubting? What was the reason that Thomas stopped doubting? Jesus. Jesus is the reason that Thomas stopped doubting. There was nothing else greater that could be given to Thomas as proof than Jesus himself. So what about us? What about us? As we seek to know God more, Jesus is the answer to your doubts. As we seek to grow in our faith, and our understanding of God, I encourage you to examine. Examine the evidence. I've got three main historical evidences for the resurrection. We can turn to these. The existence of the Christian church is strong proof for the resurrection. They believed. And these disciples, these apostles went out and preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was all based on that. That's why the Christian church was established and grew. Second, Jesus' disciples had a real experience with one that they believed to be the risen Christ. Now think about this. Those disciples, they couldn't have been lying. They couldn't have made this up together and then said, let's go out. Ten of these disciples, all the way to the moment of death, ten of these disciples were martyred. To the very end, they said, this is what I will live for, what I will die for, no one will die for a lie they made up. They couldn't have been hallucinating. How would they all have hallucinated the same thing? That doesn't even make sense. And they touched Jesus. They saw him, they touched him, they watched him eat food. That doesn't work with hallucinations. We've only got one possible explanation left. The disciples believed that they had seen the resurrected Christ because they actually had. The third thing I want to let you know about is that the tomb in which Jesus was buried was discovered empty by a group of women 
the Sunday following the crucifixion. Now, there's a few reasons that this is important. First, the resurrection was preached in the very same city where Jesus had been killed and buried shortly before. If they were making this up, no one in that area would have believed it. They could have gone and found the evidence. Second, even the earliest Jewish arguments against Christianity admit to the empty tomb. Third, evidence shows us that the empty tomb account in Mark's gospel originated within seven years, very early on of the event that it narrates. Fourth, the empty tomb is supported by uh, both Christian and non-Christian historical NT scholars, New Testament scholars, and they agree that the burial story is one of the best established facts about Jesus. Fifth, Jesus' tomb was never venerated as a, sh- as a shrine. This was a first century custom that people would come to a holy man's uh, where their bones were uh, stored or buried and they would create a shrine. There were 50 other shrines of other people considered to be holy men. But this never happened with Jesus' bones because his bones weren't there. Jesus was alive. Sixth, Mark's account of the empty tomb is simple, shows no signs of legendary development as some other religions have experienced. And seventh, the tomb was discovered empty by women. Now sadly, the testimony of women in the first century was considered worthless. That's pretty sad. But if the empty tomb story was a legend, something that people made up, they wouldn't have chosen women in their story to be the first ones to discover the empty tomb. They would have chosen male disciples to be the first to do that. But it was written down as it actually happened. The resurrection of Jesus is not just the best explanation for the empty tomb. It's the only explanation. There's so much historical evidence, not only for Jesus' existence and for his miracles, but also for his resurrection. Let's continue to obey Jesus' commands when he says, do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus is the proof that each believer needs. Jesus is the reason that Thomas stopped doubting. So that first checkpoint in Thomas's journey from disbelief to belief was that Thomas wanted proof he should believe. The second checkpoint is that Jesus is the proof that every believer needs. And the third checkpoint is that God gives life when you believe Jesus is the Messiah. God gives life when you believe that Jesus is the Messiah. This last week I saw a pretty powerful video of a basketball coach who was being interviewed by a number of reporters. And the reporter wanted to know what the basketball coach thought about one of those players on that team missing out on a semifinal game to go be present at the birth of this basketball player's child. The reporter asked this question, is it normal for a player to leave the team during the semifinals? And I love what the coach said. He said, do you have kids? When you have kids, youngster, you will understand because that is the height of a human experience. Wow, that's a good question, really. Do you think that basketball is the most important thing in life? 
When you see your first child, you will understand because nothing can be more majestic in the world than the birth of a child. Not titles, not anything else. Augusto, the basketball player, is now in heaven emotionally. I am really happy for him. And I could say from my own experience, what an incredible and emotional experience the birth of a child is. What a powerful picture of new life it is when we recognize the eternal life that we enter into at the moment of salvation, the moment that we are born again. In our passage today, Thomas has been born again. And God gave him new spiritual life when he believed that Jesus is the Messiah. Let's take a look at our final two verses of this series. Verse 30 says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So here we arrive at the purpose statement, uh, the conclusion of the Gospel of John proper. The following chapter, chapter 21, uh, is a great chapter, explores the roles of Peter and John as a kind of an epilogue for the end of this book. But here in verses 30 and 31, we come to see with crystal clarity the reason for this book. John says it's written so that you can believe. This book has been written so that you can believe. And he touches on the main themes of the book. Let me share just some of these themes that we have in these final two verses. He shares the fact that Jesus is the promised Messiah that the Jews had been waiting for for so long. He touches on the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God in flesh. He touches on the fact that Jesus did miracles to verify the power, the identity of who he is. And the fact also that believing Jesus is our only appropriate response to all these truths about him. Also, John shares the fact that God gives life when we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. God gives life when you believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So have you done it? Have you done it? Have you trusted Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world? Have you trusted him to be the one to save you, to wipe away the penalty of your sin, to bring you near to himself, to bring you into an eternal relationship with the God who created you? You can do it right now. You have the evidence that you need. You've heard it. You've been witness to the testimony of Jesus Christ, his life, his perfect life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his appearance to his disciples, and the fact that he wants us to trust him for an eternal relationship with God, our Father. If you've never taken that step, you can take that step right now. You can trust the Lord, say, I believe Father, that I'm a sinner, that I am in need 
of a Savior and that Jesus is God and he's the only one who can save me. I turn away from my sin and I turn to Jesus in faith alone for the forgiveness of my sins. And if you've done that, you have life in Jesus. You have hope in Jesus. You have peace in Jesus. You have eternal life in Jesus. And I would encourage you, continue to examine the evidence. Don't stop here. If you'd like to know more, if you'd like to find what is more evidence, what is more things that can help encourage my faith to be strengthened, I'd encourage you, take a look. There's plenty of books. One book I'd recommend is called The Case for Christ. There was a guy named Lee Strobel. He was a a very skeptical, award-winning journalist. And he started going around. He had a background of atheism. He didn't want to believe that Jesus was true. He didn't even want to believe that Jesus was real. So he set out. He started to look at the evidence. He started to hear, hear from all those who had the evidence and had done the research about everything that we know to be true from history of Jesus Christ. And as he saw the evidence, he built the case for the reality that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. I recommend you read that book, The Case for Christ. Within that book, you're going to see that the records of Jesus are trustworthy. The uh, biographies of Jesus were reliably preserved for us. There's credible evidence for Jesus, even outside of Scripture. Jesus really did claim to be the Son of God, and he proved it. The life and resurrection of Jesus is supported by the evidence. All the evidence not only is historical fact, but has an impact on our lives today. Because through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ and that can never be taken away. During our time together, we needed to find what was the reason that Thomas turned from doubting Thomas into believing Thomas. Well, Jesus, Jesus is that reason. Jesus is the reason that Thomas stopped doubting and the resurrected Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Messiah, is the reason that we can stop doubting too.